and welcome again to our evening service and to not only to those present but those who are joining with us online and we pray that we'll know God's blessing in the worship and we're going to begin singing in Psalm 34 Psalm 34 verses 1 to 10 sing Psalms Psalm 34 1 to 10 At all times I will bless the Lord, I'll praise him with my voice. Because I glory in the Lord, let troubled souls rejoice. Together let us praise the Lord, exalt his name with me. I sought the Lord, his answer came, from fear he set me free. They look to him and shine with joy, they are not put to shame. The suffering man cried to the Lord, from him deliverance came. 34, 1 to 10, sing psalms, at all times I will bless the Lord. thanks that we are able to praise a God who is altogether glorious. We give thanks that you are worthy of praise and honor and glory, and we pray that praise might indeed be an integral part of our life here. Praise is the enduring language of glory, and we pray that we might beginning here on earth to speak that language. We know that your word tells us that whoso offereth praise 
glorifies you. And so we pray that we might be praising you a lot because our chief end in this world is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so we pray that we might refocus ourselves upon what is the main thing of our purpose here in this world. Help us, Lord, not simply to glorify you, but also to enjoy you. And the more we seek to glorify you, the more we will enjoy you. And so we pray that you will help us, help us to do so, help us every day. Because sometimes we have to confess, Lord, we're lazy, lazy as Christians. Sometimes we're disobedient as Christians. Often we're wayward. But we pray, Lord, that more and more there will be a growing desire in our heart to become more Christ-like, to follow you more completely. Deliver us, O Lord, from all that we are in and of ourselves. And help us, Lord, to understand something of the answers of your, to, to our prayers. Because we can sometimes pray things and we have no awareness that what is happening in our lives is actually an answer to your prayers. We know the psalm tells us by fearful works unto our prayers an answer doth express. And so we pray for that perception, that spiritual understanding where we'll be able to see and understand the answer to prayer. Because uh, quite often we are guilty of saying that the Lord isn't answering when he, he clearly has. Lord, help us, Lord, to be strong in the faith. Help us, Lord, to run well. Help us to fight well. Help us to strive well. Help us to resist. Help us, Lord, in all that we're about day by day. Help us to be aware of the evil one going about seeking whom he may devour. And help us, Lord, to remember that in our own strength we'll never, ever cope or defeat him. That every time we try to go in our own strength we will fail. Uh, because he is greater than we are. But he's not greater than you are. And when you are in us and with us, then we are greater than he is. But help us then, Lord, to rely upon you and to depend upon you. Help us to use your word in the battle against the evil one, as our Savior did. Lord, we pray to bless us here today in light of what we did this morning, where we had a, a communion, where we remembered you, and we were seeking to be obedient to you in communion. We pray, Lord, that that will linger in our minds, linger in our hearts, that it will encourage us. Forgive us, Lord, for how seldom we remember you in the way that we should. We pray, Lord, that there will be a greater awareness of what you have done for us and a greater sense of thankfulness in our hearts and that we do not take our salvation for granted because we're, there is always a danger of doing that. Lord, we pray to bless this congregation. Again, we've asked that, but we pray that you will continue to make them a blessing in this community. Bless all the congregations round about, and we ask, Lord, that you will strengthen their witness in, the, in their own particular locality. We pray, Lord, that your people will be strengthened and that you will add to their number every day such as would be saved. We pray, Lord, that you'll do a great work here, that you'll open the windows of heaven and pour down blessing. We pray that there'll be a growing hunger for the word. And that more and more people will come desiring to know something about Jesus. We give thanks, O Lord, that there is a global work going on. Many things are reported in our news. But uh, there is not the great report given to us of the work of the gospel. And yet we know that many, many are coming to faith in all the different lands in this world. And so we pray today will be a great day where there will be a lot of rejoicing in the kingdom of heaven with many souls having come to faith. Lord, we pray to encourage all your people. We pray to encourage those maybe who sat at the table for the first time today and maybe some who sat at the table for the last time. Be with them, we pray. Lord, we pray to bless all who are gathered here tonight. We come with all our different needs and concerns, with our sorrows, with our joys, with our hopes and aspirations. Lord, sometimes, maybe some here tonight are struggling, struggling physically, mentally, 
struggling emotionally, struggling at home, struggling financially, struggling spiritually. There's all so many different things, and often they're intertwined. But, O oh Lord, we pray that in whatever situation we are in, that uh, we may look to you and depend upon you, and that you will strengthen us and encourage us. We need encouraging because we live in a very, a very dark day, a day where the world in many ways has been turned upside down. The values and the things which we understood and held to so much of this has been turned the other way around. And we live in a world that's very much mixed up, and people are mixed up, a society that's becoming more and more mixed up. And we see so many people not knowing why they're here or what they're about. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you will break into so many people's lives, that you will grant us a God consciousness again in this land. It might appear impossible, but nothing is impossible with you. So we pray for wisdom to all our leaders, all who are in authority over us, all who have responsibility uh, to do things in a right way and in a right manner. And so we pray to bless uh, all our leaders in Westminster and in Holyrood and locally in the councils and all who have positions within the church uh, to lead well. We ask, Lord, that you will guide them and lead them right. Lord, as a nation, we ask for forgiveness for all the injustice that takes place, for the corruption that is often concealed and hidden and presented as truth. Lord, we know that your word speaks so much against corruption and injustice and the oppression of the poor. And so, Lord, we pray that you will deliver us. Deliver us, Lord, from our idolatry, for the way that we have in so many ways lifted up other images in our own lives, in our own hearts. They might not be uh, images of gold and silver as such, or wood and things that people bow down to in, in the way that we tend to think of idols. But there are many other idols, yes, gold and silver, idols of money and idols, idols of property and idols of work and idols in, in, in so many different ways. Lord, give us a perception to understand and to see where we go wrong and help us to go right. And so we ask that you will be with us, be with those who mourn, whose hearts are sore and heavy. Lift them up, we pray. Grant them a sense of your grace and uphold them and keep them. Watch over us in as we wait upon you and cleanse us from our every sin. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I'm going to sing again from Psalm 73. This is from the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 73. And we're going to sing verses 23 to 26. Nevertheless, continually, O Lord, I am with thee. Thou dost me hold by my right hand, and still upholdest me. Thou with thy counsel, while I live, wilt me conduct and guide. To thy glory afterward receive me to abide. Whom have I in the heavens high but thee, O Lord, alone? And in the earth whom I desire, besides thee there is none. Verses 23 to the end of Psalm 73. Nevertheless, continually, O Lord, I am with thee.
Let's turn to read God's Word now in John's Gospel, John chapter 14. Gospel of John chapter 14. Uh, Reading from the beginning. John 14, from the beginning. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know (coughs) where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to them, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. 
Amen. And may God bless to us this reading of his holy word. I'm going to sing again now in Psalm 36. And this is from the Scottish Psalter, Psalm 36, from the Scottish Psalter. And we sing verses 5 to 10. Psalm 36, verses 5 to 10. Thy mercy, Lord, is in the heavens. Thy truth doth reach the clouds. Thy justice is like mountains great. Thy judgments deep as floods. Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How precious is thy grace. Therefore, in shadow of thy wings, men's sons their trust shall place. 5 to 10 of Psalm 36. Thy mercy, Lord, is in the heavens. Turn again for a little to the chapter we read in John's Gospel, John chapter 14. I'm not going to read this section, but really verses 1 through to uh, version 8 or verse 9. And uh, we read there at the beginning, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And we see Philip asking the question. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? At the start of the chapter, Jesus says to us very clearly, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, you and I know that we live in a world that's full of trouble and anxiety, and maybe some of you tonight have 
I don't know, real problems, real anxieties, things that are actually affecting your sleep. They disturb you. They're with you a lot of the time. And you know, and I know, that if you're really troubled and worried about something, and somebody comes to you and you says, Ah, don't worry, it'll be all right. That actually can be quite annoying. Because you say to yourself, well, it's all very well for you to say, don't worry, it'll be all right. Because you say to yourself, what authority have you got to say that it's going to be all right? How do you know it's going to be all right? So if somebody came and said to you, don't worry, it's going to be all right, and then spelt out or give you reasons as to why you shouldn't worry, then that would be a totally different thing. And in a sense, that's what's happening here, because we've got to remember that the one who's speaking here is the Lord Jesus, who knows the end from the beginning, who knows everything, who knows everything about your own life. There's nothing ever going to come into your life that's going to surprise him. It'll surprise you, but it won't surprise him. He knows everything about you. And he knew everything about the disciples. And so he said to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, of course, their hearts were troubled because Jesus had just given them the news that he was going to go from them. He was going to leave them. And I was major upset because for the last three years, they had been a part of Jesus' life. Everywhere Jesus had gone, they'd gone with him. They had seen the miracles, they had heard the teaching, they had gone out preaching in response to his uh, sending them out. They were involved with him, they had seen so much, they shared so much, they had great times. And when they were with Jesus, they felt secure. But now Jesus is saying, I'm going away. And that threw them big style. And no wonder their hearts were troubled. And I think it's difficult for us to understand what it was like for the disciples because we've got to grasp, got to lay hold upon the fact the disciples had not grasped the mission of Jesus. Yes, they trusted him and believed in him for their salvation. They believed in Jesus. They accepted him as a Messiah, as God sent one. But they hadn't grasped the nature of his mission, the way it was going to unfold. And so they, they, were, they were in what happened over that weekend absolutely through them and we saw last night that it wasn't until John went into the tomb and he saw the clothes folded there and everything and the empty tomb tells us and he believed just like ah it's all come into play I'm now grasping the whole but I haven't grasped it up till now and you know that's often the way in Christian life because sometimes we hear things and we just don't get it, but eventually along the way we say, Ah, I understand that now. So Jesus had said, I'm going away. So they hadn't grasped at this point that although he was going away, and he goes on to tell them that though I'm going away, it is necessary for you that I go away, but I want to send the comfort of the Holy Spirit to be with you. But for them, they were thinking, Jesus is going to leave us. And you know, if you're a Christian tonight, the thought of Jesus abandoning you, leaving you, is a terrible thought. Now, Jesus won't. But imagine if a message came from heaven tonight and said, You know what? I've had a dip to hear with you. I'm out. You're on your own now. How would you feel? You would be bereft. Your whole world would collapse. Because your life, as a Christian, is based upon your faith in Jesus he is you might not realize how much but he is everything to your life your life without Jesus as a Christian now is unimaginable you couldn't figure it out you couldn't believe it and that is a great evidence of being a Christian because for many people if you say to them you know the Lord Lord's not interested in you they would say so I'm not interested in him that would probably be the reply of a lot of people. They have no, no great concern. They've got no great love for Jesus. They're not bothered. And you know, in a sense, what happens in life is what happens in death and what happens in eternity. Because God, at the end of the day, gives us what we have chosen in life. He gives us 
the way we have lived. If we have wanted Jesus, if we have lived for Jesus, if Jesus is important to us, he won't just be important for us here. He'll be important for us forever, and we'll live with him. But the reverse is true. If Jesus means nothing to us, if we don't want him, the Lord at the end of the day gives people what they want in this world. Because some people say, oh, it's totally unjust that, that God would cast anybody into hell. Well, hell is absolute separation from God. And that is what so many people want. There are people today in our land, and their main agenda is to remove God out of every place of influence, out of the workplace, out of government, out of schools, out of everywhere. Exclude God. God is saying at the end of the day, I will give you exactly what you wanted. And that is, that's a fearful concept, eternally excluded from the presence of God. Because you see in this world, whether a person loves God or hates God, God's goodness and God's what we term common grace is extended to everybody. People are receiving from God all the good things in life. Every good and perfect gift is from above. In hell that stops. It's different. Because all these mercies, all that what we term common grace, all the display of God's goodness that's experienced by all is not experienced in hell. So at the end of the day it's serious business as to what we want in life. God gives us eternally what we have wanted here in life. And so Jesus is here speaking to the disciples and he's showing them that the antidote to worry and trouble, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So in other words, Jesus is saying it is important to have faith in God and faith also in me. And we've got to remember that, as we say, the Lord knows all our problems. He knows our worries. And he knows what's, what's at the heart of, of our life, what's eating us up, what's chewing us up. And when the Lord says there, believe in God, believe also in me, he's saying, exercise trust in me in your life. And you know, part of the problem often in life is that the problems that we face, when we take our eye off the Lord, the problems become bigger than the Lord. Of course, our problems are never bigger than the Lord, but that's the way we look at it. It's like when Peter was walking on the water. As long as he heard the words of Jesus, as long as Jesus was his focus, he walked. But it tells us that when he saw the waves, when Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he looked at the waves and he heard the roar of the ocean and the roar of the sea, he began to sink. Because no longer was he hearing the word of Jesus saying, come. No longer was Jesus filling his vision. It was other things. It was the problems. And so it is in our life too. When we focus on the problems and allow the problems to be bigger than Jesus, we will sink as well. And that's why it is so important that to get back to looking and focusing on Jesus, to realize that as we sing, he's got the whole world in his hand. He is greater, far greater than any problem, not all the problems in the world together. So that's why he's saying it's so important. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes on to say that in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And this is part of the the wonderful thing with regard to the Christian life. Is that we know that in this world we're we're only here for a little. I mentioned that this morning that as as Christians we know that we're, 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 just, we're on a journey. This, this world is not our home. This is not, this is not where we... Yes, we live out our lives. We're involved in our work and our hobbies and our families and all these things. And they take up our time, rightly so. But 
We hang loosely to these things. They're not the be-all and end-all. The world has nothing else but these things. And at the end of the day, they have to leave it, leave it all behind. Irrespective of what they've gathered, what they've achieved, what they've gained, everything, it goes. They've got nothing else. But the Christian has everything. That's what we're saying. The best is yet to come. We're looking ahead, looking forward. Looking forward to what's ahead. And that's the beauty of being a Christian is that we know that ahead of us there is a heavenly dwelling. And people say, is there plenty of room there? Well, that's what we're told. It's there are many rooms, there are many mansions. In fact, Jesus, talking about the great invitation of the gospel, when he remember in the story of the great feast and how he sent out servants to sent out his servants to, to gather people in and compel them to come in. He said, compel them to my house, to <coughs> compel them to come in that my house may be filled, for yet there is room. And that's how it is tonight. There's room, room, room and glory tonight. The offer of the gospel is still on. You know, sometimes you go to the shop and you see... Uh, a reduction, you see an offer, and they say, offer uh, ends on such and such a date. So as long, up until this date, this offer is good. But after that date, it goes. Well, tonight, the offer is still good, because yet there is room. There is room in the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, compel them to come in, because yet there is room. And I would say to anybody in here tonight who has not crossed that uh, gap that you, it's time to, time to move because there's room, there's room in God's house and he's saying please, please, please this is important, this is the most important step you will ever take in your life because your, your, your life, your future everything depends on it compel them to come in, come in that my house may be filled and the only qualification necessary in order to enter in is to believe. So Jesus is saying, in my Father's house there are many rooms. Uh, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you and I'll come again and take you to myself. So all the time, God's at work. Jesus is at work. The Holy Spirit's at work. Work in our lives. What's he doing? Preparing us for glory. And all these things that happen in your life, and sometimes they're sore and painful, it's all part of his preparation. He's chipping away, he's breaking us, molding us, reshaping us. We are being conformed, that's what the word tells us, to the image of Christ. We're being turned into Christ's likeness. One day we will be completely turned into the likeness of our Savior as a Redeemer in our nature. Because we're told we'll be like Him. And that's what's happening just now. God's at work in your life, in my life. And if we saw a sculptor with, with a great big clump, lump there and he's got his chisel and he's got his a big lump of stone and he's got his chisel and he's got his hammer and he's at work. All the time he's chip, chip, chipping away. Big pieces, little bits. And then gradually you're beginning to see, wow, this is taking shape. You're beginning to see. And eventually it's something beautiful is formed. Well, that's what the Lord is doing with you and with me. Chipping away. And if, you, if that stone had feeling, which obviously it doesn't, then every chip, that would hurt. You'd go, ow, ow. And we're doing that spiritually because the Lord is chipping away at us, breaking us, molding us, reshaping us. So he's at work and he's changing us into the image of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 5, we'll just look at this very briefly. We find Thomas, and he said in verse 4, Jesus, and you know the, the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? You know, the church is thankful that Thomas was one of the disciples. Because Thomas stands for so many people in the church. And at every, at every area within the church. Because Thomas is one of those people who doesn't always get it right away. 
And you know, we're so many of us like that, we don't get it right away. But it's not only that Thomas didn't get it right away. Thomas was one of these, uh, what we might say, gloomy, pessimists, Christians. And you know, <coughs> when a person comes to faith, although there is a change within that person's life because the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, there is still within us very much of who we are. We're still individual personalities, our own unique personality. And some people are born optimists, some people are born pessimists. Some people will use the expression that the glass is half full, for others it's half empty. There's a, you, you look at life and you see, the, like, uh, some people, when they look at us, you can have two people looking at the exact same situation, and one is saying, oh, there's a lot of opportunities here. And another person saying, oh, we're done for it's the same, same scenario. But that's life. And that's a church. And the church is full of these people, like Thomas. Like when Lazarus was ill, and Jesus said, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. And straight away, Thomas's reaction was, we were going up to Jerusalem. Last time, last time you were there, Lord, they were going to stone you. And then Thomas says, ah, oh, well, we might as well all go up and we might as well be killed. They might as well stone all of us. That was his reaction, this sense of pessimism. Oh, well, we'll, we'll go. We're going to get, we'll be stoned as well. So we'll, ju- we'll just all go. So that, that's, that's a Thomas. He was called the doubting Thomas. Remember, he wasn't there when Jesus first appeared. He says, I don't believe. Oh, no, no. I don't, I don't believe. I have to see. In fact, I have to do more than see. I have to get close in and I have to put my finger into the nail prints. And his hand into the side. There's no way I... No, he hasn't risen. When he saw Jesus, my Lord and my God. Church is full of Thomases. They're good people. They're necessary in the church. They may do great things. Thomas was one that Jesus chose. And Thomas was a good man and a useful man. And the church is full of those. So we're thankful of the way the Bible shows the different personalities. That they're not all super saints. But they're all ordinary people who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Thomas asks this question. And the great thing about Thomas's question is that Jesus gives us one of the great answers. Or one of the great I am statements. How can we know the way Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, for no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, the day that we live in, in this day of diversity, in this day of where everything goes, people will throw up their hands in horror at a statement like this, where it says, Jesus says, I am the way. There is no way to the Father except through me. And people say, you can't say that just now. Surely there's lots of ways, and every way is right in its own way. You pick one way, I'll pick another, I'll do... Don't you? They'll accuse the church of being bigoted. Narrow-minded, you can't... Well, remember, it's not any group of people that got together. Not any group of theologians that somewhere got together, the great minds of the church, and said, you know, this is what we're going to write. This is what we're going to say. This is the word of Jesus Christ. This is the word of Christ. And he is saying, I am the way. There is no way, other way to the Father, except through me. And we have to be clear and bold in that statement so that people will know that this is the only way of salvation. It's the only way to God is and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that he says, I am the, the way and the truth. He is using the definite article before, we, before each one. He's not saying, I am a way. I am one of many ways. No, he says, I am the way, the only way. I am the truth. You know, we live in a world that's craving truth. People say, what? Pilate asks, what is truth? People ask, what's truth? People say, there is no absolute truth today. There is Jesus. And Jesus says, I am, I am the way. 
The only way. I am the truth. And isn't it incredible how people are, are wanting to know the way of life? Why are we here? What's it all about? How is it going to end? And people are looking out and there's so much anxiety and despair and emptiness and hopelessness and what? And it's all here. Jesus is saying, listen, look, look. I am the way. I am the truth. And the thing is, when you, was it C.S. Lewis that said there are only three options with regard to Jesus? He was either mad, or he was bad, or he was exactly who he said he was. And when you think about it, that's it. Because when you, the claims that Jesus made, no other person has ever in the history of this world made the claims that Jesus has made as to who he is. And that's what Lewis is saying. Examine the life of Jesus. He's either mad, somebody who's deluded in his own mind, but he said, go and study his life. And you will say, he's not mad. And if you, the other option is that he's bad. Well, go and study his life. He was a man who went round doing good. Everything he did was good. So the other, only other option is, he is exactly who he says he is, that he is the Son of God. And if he is the Son of God, listen to him and bow down before him. And that's kind of, a, um, sort of, uh, that's kind of what C.S. Lewis, was, his argument was. And it's, it's absolutely true that there, is, there are no other options. And Jesus is exactly who he says he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's here when we look to Jesus. He gives us a purpose in life. He brings a meaning into life. A reality into life. A goal in life. We know who we are. We know who we belong to. We know where we're going. And that gives, that gives us stability to life. It helps so much in, in all the chaos that goes on all around is to know that even although we don't know that the Lord knows and he, that he has a purpose for your life, for my life. And he's saying, if you love me, it's all going to end well. Even although it may appear that it's not going that well just now. And then <clears throat> it says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you'd have also known my Father's. From now on you do know him and I've seen him. And then finally we see Philip. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Here's one of the other disciples. And again we have to say, here's a man who still hasn't. He's not, he's not up there with Mary. Mary of Bethany, who understood more about Jesus than any of his immediate disciples. Philip is not up there with John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. But he's, he's still a great disciple. In fact, Philip, Philip gives us one of the greatest examples in Scripture of, of witnessing and, and taking someone to Christ. Do you remember when Philip found Jesus, or more correctly, Jesus found Philip? And straight away, when Philip came to this knowledge of Jesus, what does he do? He goes and gets his friend Nathaniel. And he says, come on, come. You know, he said, I found the Messiah. I found Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Straight away, when Philip heard the word Nazareth, Nazareth, huh? He didn't like Nazareth. A lot, of, a lot of the people in Nazareth were despised by the Jews. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That was Nathaniel's question. And Philip's response is brilliant. Philip doesn't just say, oh, look, man, and start arguing with him. He just says, no, come and see. Come and see. If you don't believe me, come with me and meet him yourself. And that's, that's a brilliant way of doing things. Because when people argue and say, right, hold on a second. Have you read the Gospels? Have you read the Gospel of Luke? You'll find people and they start to say, have you read the life of Jesus? And push it, say, have you read? Well, come, come, there you are. Read it. Before you say anything else, 
Read through the life of Jesus. Read who he is, the claims he's making. Because you, you have no ground to be saying what you're saying unless you actually read that first. And pray for that person. So Philip gives us a great example. And it shows us we don't need to be the, the top of the class theologically and have the greatest Bible knowledge to be still really used by the Lord. Philip was used by the Lord. And so he's a great encouragement to us. But Jesus says to him, Philip, have I been so long with you and you still do not know me? And you know, it's a question that I think the Lord is probably asking to some of us as well. Because you know, the Lord looks at our life. And you know, there are times, and we have to confess it, there are times we might get tired as Christians. And there might be times that we even like the Israelites. You know, you look at the, the history of this, the journey of the Israelites through to the promised land. And sometimes you say to yourself, or at least I used to say to myself, I wouldn't have been like that. But you know, the older I got, the more I realized the Israelites are really a picture of ourselves. And along the way, remember, <clears throat> although they had been delivered from slavery and bondage in, in Egypt, there came a time they started hankering. There were times they started hankering back for Egypt. And they were thinking of the food they had. They were thinking, or yet they weren't hankering back for the slavery. But some of the things they were really missing. And you know, the Lord is saying, do you really want to go back to that? And you know, there are times we've been delivered. But is it not true that there are times sometimes we look over our shoulder? And there is a, we shouldn't, but sometimes Satan will get us and there might even be a hankering back. And the Lord will say, Lord will say to us, have I been so long with you and you still do not, and it, it's a rebuke to us. The last thing I'll say, although there's many things we could say. If there's anybody here tonight who has still not embraced the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're somebody who has grown up under the gospel, you've heard it over and over and over, but you're still outside the kingdom, the Lord is saying to you, I've been with you for so long. You've heard so many sermons. You've heard, read my words so often. And you still don't know me. It's a solemn thought. And if you don't, you've got to ask yourself, well, why not? Will you ask the Lord tonight and say, Lord, come into my heart. And I know that sometimes people, people will say, I want to be a Christian. You say, right, can we pray together and we'll ask the Lord to come, come into your heart. And sometimes say, well, can we leave it a wee while? I, I want to be a Christian, but I, I'm not quite ready for that right now. Well, when will we ever be ready? Tonight, Jesus is here. He's passing by. And he's offering, remember there's plenty room, and he's offering you a place to be with him. And he will then start work in you, preparing you, and he'll come back to take you to be with himself. Let's pray. Lord our God, we pray to bless us. We give thanks just for a wee while of reflecting, and just when we think of how you were leaving the disciples, and these final conversations... And they're so rich and full of meaning. And there's so much that we could look at. We could delve into every verse. There's so much. But just as we were having a wee overlook at these things, we pray that you will bless this word into our souls. We give thanks, Lord, for your patience with us and your love to us. And we pray that you'll continue to bless this congregation. Bless Fachi and Greta and the family. Lord, we give thanks for them and for their ministry here and for the many blessings that they have known. And we pray that you'll continue to uphold them and to use, use, use Fahi mightily here, we pray. And uh, we ask, Lord, again to bless all your servants here, all who do so much, the men and women who give of their, and the young folk who give of their time and do things and help us to remember that not even a cup of water given in your name but is noted by you. And will receive its reward. Lord bless us then and do us good. Cleanse us we pray from our every sin. In Jesus name we ask it. Amen.
We're going to conclude singing in Psalm 16, the 16th Psalm from Sing Psalms. We're going to sing from verse 8 to the end of the Psalm. Psalm 16, and we're going to sing from verse 8 to the end. Before me constantly I set the Lord alone, because he is at my right hand I'll not be overthrown. Therefore my heart is glad, my tongue with joy will sing. My body too will rest secure in hope unwavering. Psalm 16 from verse 8 to the end. Before me constantly I set the Lord alone. and thank you the congregation it's been a pleasure there's a lovely spirit here in the singing the singing is beautiful it, uh, I just feel that as, as it goes on as the service goes on the singing just gets better and better and it's a great I always feel that when there's a sense of God's peace and the praise is great it's a wonderful platform for God to work in and he's working here and I believe he'll continue to work so may God bless you all the ring isn't your own by any chance, Fahi. No, it's not. That's right. I've never come across a bad memory bit like, like this. Now may the grace, mercy and peace of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit 
Rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.